not everything that glitters is Cardano. Don't forget that. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the Crypto Basic Podcast. You are listening to our Friday flagship, and this episode is going to be released November 15th, 2019. My name is <laughs> my name is Kareem Baruch, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Brent Philbin. Hey, what's up, y'all? And Adam Levy. Hey, what's going on? I'm just kind of shook as to why it's a good date. Why is it a good date, Brent? Uh, well, that date 35 years ago was extremely important in U.S. history and world history. And actually, if you really look at it, it's pretty important in crypto history. Oh, my God. Is today your birthday? And I, I'm not on Facebook anymore. Is today your birthday right now? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. November uh, 15th is my birthday. Oh, yeah. happy, oh, birthday hey, happy birthday. Oh, Yay. Wow. A little self-congratulations there on the podcast is in order. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you told me, though, because I finally deleted my Facebook and I wouldn't have known oh nice congratulations were... thank, you, I thank wish, you i wish i could delete it i thought uh, you did didn't you make a big thing about it i i made a big deal about stop i didn't i don't use it anymore i use it for specifically like algorithm juice but i have i run like a bunch of ads and mm. like all that stuff on there like i have to use it so ah it, it, um, so you oppose them rhetorically but you give money to the zuck gotcha yes yep he he certainly <laughs> is a an effective tool for getting people to to buy your stuff this reminds me when so you can't make posts that are like sweeping declarations, massive stance. And then once you go back, they will always remind you. I remember I said I was retiring from poker in like 2016. And like, honestly, this year, people are still like, I thought you retired from poker. Like, oh, my God, I should have never made this post. Every Br- post Br- I make on Facebook gets that. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and again, I, I deleted everything that I had on there before uh, 2018. I used the script to delete everything. If you didn't, Kareem, when you deleted your account, it's all still there. So you should reactivate it, use the same script that I used, and actually clear out everything that was on there rather than uh, let it still sit. Hmm. Okay, I'll have to look into that. However, I'm going to use my hosting powers over here to get us on track because this podcast ultimately is not about Facebook, although it might seem <laughs> that way sometimes. Um, we're no gonna, Libra news this week as far as no, I know. No right? Libra news. We're going to keep it, I believe, Libra free and Craig Wright free. So, you know, very special episode. We're going to kick things off as we usually do with our rapid fire headlines from the week that we want to cover real quick. We're not going to have as much chance to get into. And of course, our rapid fire specialist, Adam, is in house for this. Yes, you didn't have to, uh, you know, contract anyone out for the rapid fire. Uh, no. Yeah. So, all right. Brave 1.0 has been released. And now uh, anyone in the crypto space, you know, I mean, I'm sure we've all used Brave browser. Maybe we're using it right now. Um, but yeah, we all kind of, you know, know it, it's been around for a while. But I guess this is more of like the official release you know, it was in beta forever. But the thing is, it was in beta, but it still had 8.7 monthly active users, which is pretty impressive. 300K. Million. Yeah. Oh, oops. 8.7 <laughs> million. Yeah. Different. Uh, and, uh, almost a dozen of us. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's 300K verified publishers already. So, you know, this is kind of more of just like, a, you know, it's not PR. It's just more of the official launch. And uh, right now, you can get it on iPhone and iP- iPad. 
for to get like the full access of Brave 1.0, which is Brave Rewards, where you're actually giving out like rewards to content users or companies that you just like, like an article you read that you loved or not content users, but content creators. Yes. yes. <laughs> and uh, then Brave Ads where you're actually earning uh, for, I, I forget how, how that works exactly. Brent, you want to help me out with that? Uh, so they're passive. You opt in if you want. It's not default. So I opt in, opted into Brave Ads. On the phone, they're slightly annoying. They give you notifications. But uh, between the phone and desktop, I think I made like four or five Brave for the month or something like that. Just like I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what it's trading at right now, so I have no idea. It's like a buck so, total. Yeah. So whatever. Like if they're paying me four or five dollars for the month to look at their ads, like I don't mind being a little bit annoyed by a pop up here and there, or not a pop up, but a, um, a notification. And a couple of the things have been pretty cool. Like there was one that was a blockchain supply chain thing that I've like reached out to to try and talk to them about their suppliers and how their blockchain system ecosystem would work. So. Uh yeah, I've been using Brave's daily driver for months and once in a while I do have to switch to Chrome. Now this 1.0 release may mean that those bugs are completely gone and I don't have to do that anymore. I can't think of the last time that I had to, but there is some random rare instances where I do need to switch over to Chrome just to get all the functionality working correctly and it wouldn't work on Firefox either. So my my I go brave. If something doesn't work there, I try Firefox. And then if something doesn't work there, I go to Chrome. So anyway, it's cool. That's brave. That brave 1.0 is out. I'm only excited for the future of brave. They built a really great functional working product and have a good idea. And honestly, I'll probably try running some ads on there for, uh, you know, a company at some point in the future. I'd say that brave is probably one of the best Ethereum projects or at least the farthest along. Of all the ones that are using Ethereum. Yeah, I mean, Brave itself isn't really an Ethereum project, but the basic attention token integration is. So, yeah, I, yeah. I agree. It's definitely... If Steam, it didn't suck, you know, it, you could say, like, it's a crypto project that's further along, but um, not, not that it uses Ethereum, but... Yeah. Anyway, yeah, uh, super and, happy uh, Bob, we got on a Brent rant real quick, but also the last feature is Brave Shields, where it's for uh, automatic ad and tracker blocking, which is kind of... Uh, you know, a lot of, you know, the issue with why Brave was created in the first place was just to kind of give power back to the the viewer and not necessarily like give out so much information and data to, you know, anyone viewing the ad or whatever. So yeah, we had Luke yeah. Mokes on the show a couple of times. He's their director of business development and he has worked in the ad space for a long time. And he's like, you wouldn't believe what kind of information people have on you. That's why we want the default experience on brave to be opt out. And we do not want publishers to be able to actually get access to the information, only be able to serve ads through zero knowledge. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. So the next topic is ledger vault secures 150 million crime insurance policy. And obviously you've heard the word ledger. If you're familiar with the crypto space. So yes, this is the custodian arm of the ledger uh, manufacturer, the wallet manufacturer. and Which, of course, you can get in the show notes if you're interested in getting a ledger nano. They're, they're there. You can get it. Yes. And, I mean, th- this is interesting because now, you know, if there's a third-party uh, hacks, you lose, you know, theft of the master key or private key. Even insider theft caused by collusion, 
there's now an insurance program that protects against that for uh, ledger users. Interesting. So serendipitously, this story is going to become very relevant in the later part of the show. Oh, Doo-doo-doo. wow. Foreshadowing. Wow. Let's move on to Iran. Well, that's our one of our favorite countries. I don't know. Well, Korean. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Just... So Iran is offering bounties for illicit mining operations. We've actually talked about this uh, maybe a few months ago, how Iran had really cheap uh, mining. Uh, basically, I think it was like less than a cent per kilowatt per hour to mine there for a bit. And now they're making a, uh, they're basically tariffing. They're going to slap a tariff on any foreign, you know, anyone who wants to export, I guess, electricity from Iran. And on top of that, they're also now offering bounties for anyone who, uh, is actually running an illegal mining operation within the country. That's, you know, kind of doing it without going through the tariff. Yeah, you know, this is probably less – I haven't read the story, but it's probably less ridiculous than it sounds because I don't think it was Iran, but one of the stories we covered, if you guys remember, involved like workers at a power plant that managed to jerry-rig it <laughs> yeah, so that they were, they were basically sucking off free energy. And if you think about it, that's, it's actually really bad because it's just a form of theft, right? Like right. other miners are getting screwed because they don't have stolen energy. Uh, the people who are paying for energy in that area are getting screwed because, you know, the supply is being reduced by people who are benefiting on this. So, you know, overall, it makes sense. Like, it's hard to think of energy as an asset that's being stolen, but that's what's happening in a lot of these cases. Yeah, they're not against, you know, crypto mining. They're just right. against ones that are not doing it legally. Right, right. Or, you know, even the idea of a tariff. If you're using, if you're using some kind of massive government-operated or subsidized energy resource in order to run your mining operation. It doesn't sound crazy to me that that community or that society can tax that. Yep, exactly. And Coinbase has announced new confirmation requirements. Uh, So basically, the coins that they have the most confidence, maybe not confidence, but the coins that can be hacked maybe are the hardest to hack. There we go. Have actually been cut in half for how many confirmations you need in order to get a transaction through the network. And those are Bitcoin, Zcash, Ethereum Classic. And uh, then they've been, most of them have been cut, like uh, Bitcoin has been cut by 50% because obviously that's the one that I guess we'd say we have the most confidence in. Uh, Then Ethereum Classic, maybe 40% and Zcash about a third. So plot twist though, Litecoin has actually doubled, which means from six to 12 confirmations, which is, you know, hmm, what's going on over there, Litecoin? I don't know. So that's an interesting one. faster, but yeah, the the end result is you'll get those three coins on quicker, Litecoin on slower. Yep. And uh, we got uh, two quick little rapid, I mean, super rapid. (laughs) Double tap. Yep. Double tap. Uh, Pornhub. Brent's favorite website. There, I see why it, you so quick now. <laughs> so, so Pornhub, uh, the models, there are about 100K uh, models on there that put up their own content. And yeah, I guess, you know, they get naked and whatever and people pay them for them. But they're being paid through PayPal. And now PayPal has blocked them entirely. So yeah. now 
Pornhub is looking to switch their payment method. Uh, hopefully, it's not Verge, which was previously announced last year <laughs> that they were in collaboration with Pornhub. Please don't be uh, Verge. And I don't even know if Verge is still used on there. Like, I know that it was never point, used on there. It was just some stupid commercial. <laughs> yeah, it, that was the most ridiculous thing ever. But they have. It's not like these models are waiting on their money. They have other payout options. But literally, pay, yeah. Pornhub had to tweet out, "Guys, if you were using PayPal, switch it because they're just banning us now." So, just a, another example of censoring money. Like, you can't stop somebody from taking cash for something that's legal it, normally. But there's nothing. It's like. Pornhub is totally legal, and it's just PayPal's having issue with their morality of showing your body for money, which is, uh, yeah. None, none of their business. Just facilitate, facilitate the payments, bro. Yeah, <laughs> don't know. Yeah, but whatever. But, hey, I now have something in common with 100,000 Pornhub models. <laughs> You're banned from PayPal? Yes, I am. I've been banned there from PayPal go. for, like, seven months or something and they won't tell you why wait are you sure you weren't one of those hundred thousand uh porn hub models already that yep. got banned it wasn't you know seven months ago it was actually seven hours ago yeah well what i do is i like take my shirt off and then i show my boobs and they look like they're female oh. boobs because i'm oh. fat <laughs> All right. All right. So we're going to okay. get us back on track that was, here. That was my bad. I, I like, I yeah, sent him off. You can't can give, give him that kind of rope. You cannot give him that kind of rope. Please, let's finish this off with uh, John McAfee. Oh, yes. yes. Finally, somebody uh, with some common sense. Yes. So John McAfee is launching a coin called WACKED, W H A C K D, all caps, on his exchange, McAfeeDex.com. And that we covered that a few weeks ago. He made his own exchange. He wants no KYC, no, like completely decentralized. So you can get this coin on there. It's actually uh, an ERC20 coin. And it's an Epstein didn't kill himself crypto. I don't really know how it works. I don't really <laughs> care how it works. I just think it's a hilarious blurb that felt like needed to be in the rapid fire. Uh, oh, my God. So they're going to be the new payment processor uh, for the next time a high-profile pedophile with dirt on every single rich person uh, gets incarcerated. You're going to pay for that with whacked. Or yeah. maybe you uh, just pay someone a bunch of whacked in order to say something like Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself on national television or something. Mm-hmm. That'll be the currency. You know, most importantly, let's not forget that the core function of whacked is to stroke McAfee's ego to give him a little attention from the media and all this random shit that he's always trying to do and probably hustle people. Yep. Is he still running for president? Oh, I mean, probably. No, I doubt it. <laughs> probably. He's he just, just looking. Has, he's got he's a little just, murder case to take care of, and then that's it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> he's like Dave Portnoy. He's just, you know, looking for clicks. Every, um, I guess that's just everyone. It's not just Dave Portnoy. Yeah. So that's the rapid fire. Now. Who wants to talk about some wild foods? All right. I'll talk about wild foods. Uh, that's so For those of you who are wondering where our episode was, this is Wild Foods' fault. I was in uh, last week. I was in New York for a Wild Foods board meeting. But that's because we've got some amazing products coming out. Wild Foods has a great selection of foods sourced from small farms around the world. Most are a single ingredient or a proprietary blend of our single ingredients, and they are available at wildfoods.co. 
You can use the code CryptoBasic12 to get 12% off your order. We mistakenly said on the last episode that nobody had done that. One of our listeners reached out to us and he's like, hey, I did use our uh, the discount code and I did get you guys credit. Yay! So, there we go. Yep, we appreciate that. And uh, they also said that they very much like the products that they got. So happy to stand behind the quality of Wild Foods. Everybody here has tried it. Everybody here likes it. And they are doing some big things. We're going to... Well, they might be in Whole Foods soon, so it's going to be really cool. Don't forget, hashtag Girls Gone Wild Foods. All <laughs> 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 right. Eh. All right, All right so we, that's it. We continue today's episode, guys, with a follow-up. This is kind of like a two-parter, all right? I want to give a little shout-out here to the Black Brand on our Discord, who, as you remember, a few weeks back, posted a Tether article that he said was very long but worth the read dove in. It was in fact worth the read and it goes in conjunction with another article that we found. So here's the main story. Here's the first premise. There was a quote-unquote peer-reviewed study and it, it does seem to be in a journal that was released by UT Texas John Griffin and Ohio State University Amin Shams. And their claim or their question was, did Bitcoin get manipulated into that all-time high that we saw, that incredible, you know, massive gains that we saw a couple of years back, and its relationship to Tether. So here's what the study claims or what the study claims to have found. Bitfinex appears to have massively manipulated the price of Bitcoin in 2017, and this is a direct quote from the paper. By mapping the blockchains of Bitcoin and Tether, we were able to establish that one large player on Bitfinex used Tether to purchase large amounts of Bitcoin when prices are falling and following the printing of Tether. So there seemed to be a pattern in which mm-hmm. Bitcoin started falling, Tether was printed, and it was uh, picked up. Now, one of the comments that somebody else made somewhere else online, which was a critique of this, it was the CEO of Circle, actually, is that since the exchanges use omnibus wallets and they kind of pool a lot of their transactions, that it might be uh, misguided to to look at an exchange's action and say, oh, one player, when in reality, that might be a bunch of players all being seen through the one exchange account. So that right, was one that, of the... Yeah, what, go ahead. Could that be a correlation of people buying the dip? That's what, in my mind... It could be. Exactly. It could be. And there's reason to be skeptical, which is why I wanted to include that quote. But a lot of the claims that they're making here is about the way the supply seemed to increase, not necessarily in conjunction with demand for Tether, right? The One of the main hypotheses that the author posited was that Bitfinex was creating Tether regardless of demand for Tether. And that it was that additional supply that was being dumped into Bitcoin and buying Bitcoin, which also allowed them to attain Bitcoin, right? Now, here's the thing. This paper that the Black Brand posted or this article about the history of Bitfinex and Tether goes into a lot of depth. It's worth exploring. And I think it validates a lot of our skepticism about Tether from the beginning. All right? Right. So here's the history. In 20- I haven't found anything that's ever said that like we haven't been right about that like other than the fact that it's still in existence everything right. we ever find and read confirms what we already think about it so correct yeah there's <laughs> this assumption that like oh well if it was fraud it couldn't possibly still be going on like bernie madoff never happened right enron never happened like right. frauds don't happen <laughs> so here's now let's put this history into context 
In 2016, Bitfinex got hacked and it lost 120,000 Bitcoin, which was valued at $70 million. That made them insolvent, but they made the controversial decision that everybody on the exchange, everybody's funds was just going to take a 36% cut from everybody in order to, let's say, even it out and uh, satisfy the losses. So basically, all, all of the account holders got screwed, right? Yep. Except then, for- they gave them a useless token. and uh, the, Yeah, it's yeah. going to get, uh, we're going exactly there. But as a quick side note, it turns out, we later found out, that one particular uh, holder of coins did not get a 36% reduction, and that was Coinbase. Coinbase, the money that they had on Bitfinex, they threatened suit. And they basically said, yeah, if you just randomly try to take 36% of the money we have on the exchange, we're going to court. And apparently Bitfinex was like, oh, oh, no, you guys are good. You guys are good. Everybody else is taking 36%, right? Uh, They're not rich enough to fight. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. So as Brent mentioned, what Bitfinex did was, all right, we're going to give you guys an, a token. It's called the uh, BFX, right? Like it's this new token that we're going to do and we're going to give you an equal value. Like whatever we took from you, we're going to give you the Bitfinex token. And then later they're like, oh, okay. So that Bitfinex token, which is supposed to stay around a dollar and it tanked anyway. Well, now it's uh, you can turn it in for equity share in the company, which was conveniently uh, priced at $1 per share, which was also the price that... Um, the original token was worth that, right? At the time, Bitfinex was banking in Taiwan. Taiwan doesn't have a direct relationship with U.S. banks uh, or doesn't have access to the U.S. financial system. So they have to use Wells Fargo as an intermediary. And Wells Fargo announced around that time that they were no longer going to accept wire transfers from Bitfinex. (laughs) Bitfinex then sues Wells Fargo unsuccessfully. That goes nowhere because they don't have a case. So when they lost their banking relationship, this is just as a little signpost on the story. When this happened, there were $55 million in outstanding tether. There are now 4 billion. What? (laughs) There's 55 million, right? So after that relationship failed, they started looking around the world for another bank that would take him in, and they found a bank in Puerto Rico called Noble Bank or Noble Bank, right? And it turns out that the board of directors of Noble Bank did not want to accept Bifinex as a customer. And they were very worried that if they had a relationship with Bitfinex and that became a problem and that became public, that could ruin Noble Bank's relationship with BNY Mellon, which is essentially a holding bank that if you're a bank that is part of the U.S. financial system, like a Puerto Rican bank would be, but is outside of the U.S., basically BNY Mellon is a holding bank that allows you to maintain assets in the U.S. and transfer money easily and all that kind of stuff. The board of directors was worried that if they accepted Bifinex, it could cost them the relationship with that bank. And if they lost that relationship, the company would just go broke. So there was a lot of resistance. Well, coincidentally, or not so coincidentally, <laughs> uh, Tether... A lot of coincidences in this Bitfinex story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tether, around <laughs> the same time, uh, did a Series A investment in Noble Bank. A Series A investment is like uh, when you get like that preferred class of stock, you know, like the early round investors. 
So Tether invested $2 million into Noble Bank because, you know, Noble Bank looked like such a good business. Noble Bank accepts Bitfinex as a customer. <laughs> Tether then deposits hundreds of millions of dollars into this bank. So all of a sudden, the bank reserves of this Puerto Rican island shoot up. People immediately figure out who it is, what's going on. And sure enough, uh, <laughs> the BNY Mellon looks at Noble Bank and he's like, yeah, we're done with you. And uh, Noble Bank goes out of business. So, Oh, my God. Should have been, been, been more careful. So now they move on to Deltec Bank, a different bank, right? Which I remember that one. That's the one that if you search them, it came up money laundering before they even. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, here's where it gets even juicier. Bitfinex apparently was using a company called Crypto Capital Corp in order to move monies around. Wait, is that the one with the that's the one with the football player, right? Or the Yeah, you're on the right track. We're going there. Okay. So it basically appears to be a money laundering operation. <laughs> yeah. Right. And what they would do, what essentially Crypto Capital Corp would do is they would find banks that had really bad compliance controls. And then they would open accounts with them pretending to be a real estate institution. That way they could shuffle. So they would just go to a bank that's not doing a good job of like finding out who you are. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we're like a big real estate company. Can we open it up? And then they would just <laughs> deposit a couple hundred million. All right. And then when customers, real life customers wanted to deposit money with Bitfinex, they would contact Crypto Capital Corp. Then Crypto Capital Corp would give them the name, account number, and bank of a shell corporation so it would just say, oh, okay, this is Global Trade Solutions. And then with instructions to make the deposit in the name of that shell company in a way to like not arouse suspicion from the bank so that the bank didn't know that it was actually Bifinex money, etc. There's a character Similar in this- to what they did with online poker. Correct. Back in the day. But there, there was a period of time where online poker was legal and- the banks couldn't have transactions, so they started saying you were buying golf balls and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there's a character in this story whose name is Reginald Fowler. That's probably who you're there's thinking about. <laughs> and he is Crypto Capital Core's uh, principal architect. And guess what? It turns out he was skimming 10% of all deposits. So Bitfinex is using this company to launder all the money, and ah. he's skimming 10% off the top. I'll take right? that. I'll take that. I'll take he that. made a lot of money because, as Brent pointed out, he was able to use $25 million to invest in the Alliance of American Football, which, just like Donald Trump's CFL or whatever, totally crashed. Didn't yeah, go didn't anywhere. Finished their season. No, I yeah, remember yeah. like Trent Richardson was like leading rusher in the league. And I was like, what? Trent Richardson still playing football? Oh, <laughs> this was, they didn't even get the finish. This was that one that needed to they needed funding halfway through the season, I think. Yeah. Well, they were trying to pay exactly. their players like like uh nothing. But yeah, well, they, they, they were relying money. on funding from people from who were people money laundering. <laughs> now and what made it even worse, this is where it gets sketchy because Bitfinex is now trying to pretend like, oh, we didn't know that this guy was laundering and taking money off the top. We're the victims here, right? That's what they're saying oh, in yeah, court yeah. in court filings. Here's the problem though. They didn't pay for this company's services. So according uh, to them, uh, and well, no, according to them, oh, we gave them money and they made money by being able to make interest off of the money that we gave them. So that's why they were willing to provide the service. This is Bitfinex's uh, 
kind of like explanation. <laughs> They're doing it for free, but they get to make money off of it. All right. Bottom line is that in 2018, regulators froze some of the Shell Corporation bank accounts. So they basically put a hold on this money when they figured out whose it was. And that created the liquidity crisis. Uh, and essentially, they accused Bifinex of what they're doing allegedly is using consumer customer deposits to slowly try to make up the gap and the difference, which, by the way, is what we've been speculating all along, right? That they were taking a chunk off the top and then they're just kind of like trying to drag out the market and using whatever opportunities. But this is even worse. They're saying they're using customer accounts. And it's totally plausible because guess what? They already did it. They already took yep. 36% from everybody and said, hey, this is now ours because that's, we got That's hacked. exactly what happened we with, with Full Tilt Poker where they were just using, they like kind of dipped their toes into the the player reserve that should never be touched. Mm-hmm. And this exactly. is, just, yeah, this is just playing with fire. I mean, even Eventually, worse. Yeah. yeah. Even worse, you know, I mean, I don't want to say even worse, but yeah, it's like, no, it feels worse. <laughs> well, look, the bottom line is Fowler has been arrested in the U S. Um, Ivan Manuel Molina, the president of this company was extradited from Greece to Poland on suspicion of money laundering for drug cartels. By the way, that name, Ivan Molina sounds like, it is Ian Bellina's like real name that like YouTube crypto scammer guy. <laughs> like, what happened to that no, guy? I'm Ian Bellina. I'm sure he's still posting videos and fucking people over. Anyway, sorry. Continue. No, that's basically it, guys. This is a summary. Obviously, Tether's still out there in circulation. Obviously, some people still believe. But look, this this story has been brewing. The red flags have been everywhere. You know, now that there's court filings, now that there's uh, movement from attorney generals and stuff like that starts putting more pressure. But I guess the, the main point here to, I think, to remember is just because it looks official from the outside, just because it's properly structured, we should not assume that there's real underlying structure. I think there's a part of our brain that looks at Tether. They're in all these exchanges. They're in big companies, big people, professionals, millionaires are using it. And it just feels like, okay, this is the real deal. And I would just like to remind everybody that that's that's what a lot of these major scams felt like. They felt yep. serious, you know. They felt legitimate. It feels like the people in charge know what's going on, and they don't. Scammers can get as big as you want. It can get into the hundreds of millions of dollars. All right. So, you know, interesting story. Shout out to the Black Brand for sharing it with us. Tether sucks. Uh, so when Tether does crash, I'm gonna really want to make an episode. That is called just the title of the episode is We Told You So. <laughs> and literally just have all of the sound bites of us telling you how dangerous this thing is over the last few years. Yeah. Well, and you know, what's crazy now, Brandon, is that I hadn't really considered is Tether crashing might also just I didn't consider that something like Biffinix could be using customer deposits to plug gaps and stuff like that. So like <laughs> if, if that's the level of manipulation that's going on, then it's no wonder, like how long can they keep this game going? The answer is, I really don't know. As long as people are still depositing money on Bifinex. Yep. Who knows? It's, I still remember that early or maybe, yeah, like mid 2017 Bifinex just abruptly got out of the U S and uh, I feel like if they had stayed in the U S they would be, I mean, they might not be operational anymore. But yeah, I mean, I don't know where they're really getting. They're based out of Canada, correct? And then I don't know what other countries they're. Maybe they're trying to go to some countries that don't know any better. Trying to Who operate. Knows where in, they are now. Yeah, I don't know. Yep. 
So anyway, that's enough of that, though. Um, Brent, the next story coming up here, it looks like you have an official Samsung blockchain story. I'm interested. I have a Samsung. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So we've talked about the Samsung blockchain, like key store and stuff, but they have actually gone fully and released this specifically with like marketing and to developers and their marketing video was super cool. Like I watched it. It was three minutes long. I'm like, I could show that to somebody and start to get them to understand a little bit of what I'm talking about. When I'm talking about crypto and they, they're kind of, you know, blanked. Pretty good ratio on YouTube. I just looked it up. It's like 30 to 1 likes to dislikes. Yeah, it's yeah. a cool video. So the main point of this is they're releasing their software development kit. And the software development kit makes it easier for anybody who is a software company to put their item in there. So if I wanted to work with the Samsung blockchain in some fashion, it is now a lot easier for me to do that because they have a software development kit. It was one of the big perks of like the engine blockchain that we talked about. And the 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 SDK is like that that's super big for adoption. It's super big for making things easy. They've got an, another company called Knox that works with them on security. The private keys that you work with on your phone are held nowhere near your operating system as far as the way the computer is set up. Operating system is one thing, private keys are another thing. It's separate. So obviously it's not the same as like having your key written down somewhere. But there is a layer of security there. It looks pretty cool. If I, I mean, I want to learn more about what happens if you lose your phone and all that kind of stuff. I suspect there is some sort of way to solve this. Um, and I think it looks like it's going to make things easier. Then I went into the YouTube comments and I was reminded <laughs> that we're still a long way from adoption. Because the top comments are things like, Jesus, I, I pasted a couple of them here. Jesus Christ, I don't understand a single comment on this video. Or now I know how my grandparents feel when I talk about technology. That <laughs> the exact leap that I'm thinking about. Like the leap there is you can know a ton about technology. And then when I start talking blockchain, your eyes gloss over and you look at me like I'm insane. And even though this video, in my opinion, broke it down real easily, super nice, people still feel that way about it. So that's how early we are in this process. And then hilariously, one person who doesn't understand how this works goes, the video says no middleman. The video also introduced a new middleman. His name, Samsung. I'm confused already. <laughs> so, yeah, they don't understand the uh, the relationship of a wallet slash development kit to the actual Ethereum network. So the the Samsung blockchain is working with Ethereum. So they have they have a DApp portal as well. It all goes through the Samsung store, not Google Play. It would be better if it went through Google Play because then you would get a little bit more of a uh, ubiquity there. Like if you had an HTC, you could do it. But I know HTC is actually making a partnership with Binance. There's going to be a special Binance HTC phone that's released that uses the Binance DeX uh, natively in some fashion. So wow. one of their Evos. So that'll be interesting to see. Another funny thing, this video may have spoiled the design of the next Note, uh, the Galaxy Note 11. There is a phone in the video at six seconds in that has no niche or a little notch for the camera. It looks like the either that phone was just a complete render, but it doesn't look like it. There's a person's hand there holding something. They either used ILM to create that or they're holding the prototype for the next phone. And it looks like that camera is embedded in the screen somehow so that while it's not being used, you don't have that ugly little circle notch. 
to which is significantly smaller than it is on like an Apple device, but is still there with regards to the phone. So that that, that was a cool little extra thing, and that's it. That's uh, that's that's what I had to say about Samsung. Samsung Pay is a very good experience. So if they are using that same mentality for creating a good experience with blockchain, it can only be a good thing. And they're not doing it in any way that's proprietary. They're not like trying to grab control here. They're not making the Samsung coin thing. They're making the Samsung wallet and using the existing coins, which is what people (laughs) should be doing. This seems to be an ongoing trend with Samsung. We had Uber Pay. I think a couple. We have oh, Apple Uber Pay. Uber Pay is making their own damn coin. Like that's the thing. Like Samsung isn't. That's why I actually appreciate what they're doing. Now, of course, they're probably going to make me look wrong. And no, I'm. I'm year, just. But. I'm. I don't mean specifically coins. I mean the fact that these big companies are like someone in the article that when we did. I think it was actually the last flagship said that the big companies are starting to try to get customers through payments samsung yep. apple pay uh you know uber right there that's three of them i'm sure there are more that are popping up and i think we're going to see more trend towards that and you know they, that's how they get the customer i guess i'm not really sure it's interesting i mean this is definitely sounds like a good project and uh i'll definitely watch the video you know later all right so that's the that's the end of the samsung blockchain thing i think we need to talk about our local SIM swap attack expert, Kareem Baruke, please explain to me what the hell is going on with Bitcoin SIM swapping. Yes. Hi there, Bob. It's been now 48 hours since distraction. Sorry. I have to use my reporter voice because of the way you said it. Uh, <laughs> hi there, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> That's my impression of Dave Chappelle impersonating a white reporter. So it's there's yes, a lot there of we go. Perfect. There. All right. So <laughs> this story hurt in so many ways. It's actually an older story, um, but we're covering it today because I read about it today and I started jumping around some places. So it is what it is. Here's the situation. There was a $24 million theft that happened on the basis of a SIM swap attack. This was reported by the Wall Street Journal, and it actually happened last year, January 7th of 2018, near the peak. Michael Turpin had 1,500 Bitcoin stolen from him. Again, that was $24 million at the time. Here's Here's how it happened. A group of hackers managed to take control of his phone number and they were able to use the I forgot my password feature on Google to get em- to get access to his email. Which is why you should take your number off of all your Google accounts, by the way. Everybody, just get it off there. Use only an old backup email. Like I, I've taken my number off everything. It was easier because I had to switch it because of these fucking SIM attacks. But anyway, continue. Well, yeah, you're onto something there, Brent. So they hacked his wallet. Once they were able to get into his email, that's when it obviously got really tough because they managed, they start going through and looking for everything that he might have, all of his accounts, all of his crypto stuff. I'm sure they already have search words and everything ready to go to start kind of browsing through. It was a team. So they hack his wallet and they immediately sold the tokens and distributed. Apparently within 48 hours, the money was out, sold, distributed. There's a quote from the article that says, once a hacker can breach a user's email account, they can scour for proof of asset holdings and subsequently trade or target trading apps, bank accounts, and crypto wallets. Here's what makes it really gross, guys. This man had been targeted and hit with a SIM swap seven months earlier. 
So, of course, what we're all thinking is like, what an idiot. I mean, he should have done something about it. This is the sad part. He did. Number one, he called and added additional security with his AT&T account. So, for example, he added the feature that you need a six-digit PIN in order to make any changes to his account. And he also told AT&T that he was a high-risk account and that he needed extra layers of security. On top of that, he switched from texting authentication to Google Authenticator which is something that we've always said is a is a proper practice, right? That's the best practice using Google yeah. Authenticator. And he apparently, this is the part that it gets a little tricky. I wasn't able to find exactly how he had the the wallet. It clearly wasn't in a hard wallet. It, that seems pretty clear. Um, apparently, he kept a portion of his virtual cash in a digital vault called a native wallet, which required a string of 12 random words to unlock. This is the part that, the article's wording seems a little weird to me. They say that the hackers were able to cobble the code together once they hijacked his phone and wormed into his email. Something tells me that that's a cooler way of saying that he had the 12 random words just stored somewhere in his email and they found it. Right. right? Like he had it in the cloud somewhere somehow. Yeah. Like how whatever, did they put yeah. the clues together from his it email? So- it, right? sounds like, like, it sounds uh, like Wall Street Journal got a little above their pay grade as far as how this works. Yeah. Like, yeah article. It, that's like, where they hit the point where they, they just figured it out. Yeah. 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 They're like, oh, you know, you put it all together. Oh, this guy brushes his teeth at 9 a.m. All right. The first word is toothpaste <laughs> like, I don't think like, <laughs> <laughs> all right but anyway so they were able to find the 12 words which by the way when you buy a, something like a ledger this is for the audience when you buy something like a ledger and they tell you to write down your recovery phrase Do one of your instincts right that's right one of your instincts is oh maybe i'll take a picture maybe i'll just write an email it to myself wrong 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 okay when it comes to the crypto world, the people who are going to be able to steal from you are going to have access to that type of information. So actually being offline, being in the physical world, kind of like paper ballots is the right way to go here. And this is an example. So it was apparently some young kids. I even expected it to be international, but some of the people they mentioned uh, were actually U.S. citizens, younger individuals. One of them was valedictorian. And he actually happened to get caught almost luckily because another guy who got robbed went to his police department in California and they actually got curious because they started wondering like, how did AT&T allow for this change, right? Like that's the connection that they don't understand that like where it almost feels like negligence. And sure enough, Turpin is suing AT&T. He's suing for $24 million in restorative damages and $200 million in punitive damages because he's arguing that AT&T's negligence essentially makes them complicit in this rampant uh, SIM swap attacks that have been happening. Now, it turns out randomly when I was poking around, somebody else is suing AT&T for the same thing. (laughs) In California, there's an entrepreneur called Seth Shapiro. Uh, He's a blockchain entrepreneur. And he is alleging that a couple of the firm's employees had perpetrated a nefarious SIM swap scheme that resulted in him losing $1.8 million. And according to him in court documents, he's claiming that he's in possession of the chat logs that show the AT&T employees bragging about and discussing like how they're going to use the money to buy their dream cars and all this other stuff. And this guy had also asked AT&T to prioritize his account for security because he had been previously hacked. So 
Michael Turpin obviously got mega screwed here. $24 million is a massive amount of money to lose. And, you know, frankly, it, it makes me think a little bit more, like going back to that uh, ledger story that you talked about earlier, Adam, there is going to need to be something like this. I think as much as we love the cryptocurrency space, and there might be a lot of different solutions. Like if this was a hard wallet, it wouldn't have played out like this. Now, in his defense, maybe a hard wallet is not what is efficient at those levels of wealth and movement, right? Like it's easy for me to say, oh, look at me. Like I take my one Bitcoin and I put it in a hardware wallet and I never look at it again. Well, yeah, but if these guys are moving around hundreds of millions or tens of millions of dollars, they're obviously not just keeping their money in a little account, but there has to be a way for these people to be able to move wealth around without it being so like, I mean, this is really vulnerable. I mean, yeah, I can't, can we really imagine a scenario where this gets this amount of money gets stolen not in our crypto world. I, I don't know that I can. Here's another thing that's happening. When people get these scams done to them or they get this money stolen, the police don't give a shit. Uh, our listener that's been uh, that that got scammed, mm. the police, it's thousands of dollars. Like if I came up to the police and I said, hey, this guy stole $4,000 from me, they would do something. But when you go up to them and you say that somebody stole half a Bitcoin from me, they're like, <laughs> yeah you're an idiot you know like they they don't know what to do to look this stuff up so they just don't do anything with it it makes it a lot harder to even start to try and track this stuff down and i think that the ease with which things can be stolen and the nature of decentralization not being able to reverse that stuff Mm -hmm. which is something we want like in theory we don't want eos we don't want people making subjective decisions as to what should be reversed and what shouldn't that kind of goes against the nature of the blockchain i don't know how to i don't know how to solve that in the middle. Look, I don't know how I, to make that. And here's the thing. This is where I feel like it starts getting complicated because there's a spectrum here. And I think that there's not going to be a one size fits all. And as the amount of money gets bigger, you know, just like in the real world, right? Like how do you keep a dollar? Who cares? Doesn't matter. Literally anywhere on the counter. It's irrelevant. How do you keep a couple of hundred bucks? Well, some people keep a couple of hundred bucks in their wallet. Once you start getting into a couple of thousand, maybe they keep it somewhere in their house. The more money you're talking about, the less that you just put it somewhere where it could disappear with a single stroke with like just a thief breaking into your house and looking under, you know, in your drawer, right? You're not going to keep $5 million in your drawer. It doesn't work like that. So if somebody has $100 million, $25 million, even in the real world, there's some kind of extra layers of protection that have to be created. So it seems to me that this cryptocurrency world, like, yeah, sure, we can have wallets and easy access and double factor authentication and, you know, triple signature and all. But the bottom line is you can't keep $50 million or $25 million somewhere that can be that easily stolen. I mean, I hate to say it. Yeah, you, you, we need some help from, you know, AT&T or like that's a yeah, security is definitely shouldn't be a thing. I do know that this was a... Uh, an issue with some poker players, maybe around the sim- similar time, 2017, maybe 2016, uh, where people had a couple hundred K taken from them uh, for basically calling in for, you know, to Verizon or something and changing the password or whatever. And then they just got access. And it's very crazy that you can do this, you know, that it's that easy to kind of mimic someone or yep. something. There's a few things that happen here. One, the employees want to help when you come in and you say, Hey, I'm Brent. I want to switch my SIM card out. Like they want to help you. They don't want to like be jerks and be like, well, I'm going to need more verification. Yeah. on this." And two, you have a lot of outsourced customer service reps on the phone. One English might not be their first language. 
Two, you don't know what their working conditions are like as far as like what they get in trouble for and what they don't. And three, you could be talking about people who have basically no money, which means they have a real easy incentive to actually participate in this. Yeah, kind of stuff. That, exactly. There's clearly some inside jobs here. I mean, let's yeah. just be let's just be real. Yeah. You know, I mean, this guy was targeted. They knew like this kind of money. You know, this is not random. None. I don't think these are random. Any of these are random. I think you. These are just direct targeted targets. You know that have been planned and they've worked hours and hours to. I suspect when it happened to me, I was pretty random. So I think there are random choices, but I don't think I was random the second time. I think the second time that they swapped my sim, that it had to have been targeted, not like targeting the host of the Crypto Basic podcast necessarily, but targeting somebody who had had a successful sim swap in the past. And I actually had to jump through some serious hoops to get T-Mobile to stop letting that happen. And they put all kinds of extra stuff on my account. And I legitimately now need to switch my SIM card, and I can't. Like, uh, oh my God. because I changed my number, my voicemail basically doesn't work now. Uh, it's it's something to do with But no one uses voicemail anymore anyways, so... Yeah, it's not that big of an inconvenience. I tried to switch the, the SIM card out, because the way the SIM card is programmed, it thinks your number is, like, your old number until you swap it out. And... Because I freaked out and I was like, put all these restrictions on my account maximum, like basically never let this happen again. Now I have to jump through. I have to do like hours of work to even possibly get my SIM card swapped if I want to, which I annoyed me because I can't get my voicemail. But now I'm like, no, you know what? I love this. This is awesome. I'm glad this is happening. I am not interested even a little bit in that ever happening to me again. So I'm glad. Yeah. And you know what? The last thing I'll say, guys, to close out this story, just because we should provide all the perspectives this is an extension of the real world, right? This is not exclusive to cryptocurrency because a lot of the frustrations you just discussed are also things that I experienced with my identity theft, right? And people have experienced all over the world with identity theft where they get debt in their name, crypto, credit cards, all kinds of stuff. So it's not just like in the crypto world that you can have your assets stolen because somebody stole your key. This is an extension of somebody stealing your identity, your social security numbers, your passwords, your keys, your whatever. The more that we are able to create digital value and exist in the digital world, the more that we're going to see digital crime and digital theft. And it is what it is. Indeed. All right. So let's move on to something a little bit lighter. We're going <laughs> to talk about somebody fucking with the EOS network, which <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty happy with. <laughs> I, this is just a quick story. It wasn't like rapid enough to be rapid fire, I guess. But there is a token called EIDOS. I have no idea what it stands for, but they are clogging up the EOS network intentionally. Like the whole point of the token seems to be to expose the fact that somebody can do this to the EOS network. And I guess the block producers have gotten lazy and they're not doing anything to solve this stuff. I don't know. I don't know about the, like the internal politics, but the the Twitter account that is being involved with this is called is at E N U M I V O and New Mevo, and their like little catchphrase in their handle says "Soon something out of nothing," <laughs> and, and it's not like it's a troll account. I, they haven't really been trolling or anything, but this whole thing seems to be like a troll or somebody trying to prove a point. The way this token works is like there's a massive airdrop going on. And you get tokens in the airdrop just by moving your EOS around and clogging up the network. 
So if you do that, you get the tokens and they're traded on exchanges. So you get like value. So it's like transaction mining on those exchanges that we covered, like the scams, like the F coin, except they're just doing it to the network and messing with the network. So I guess it got it. It caught like the way the stake. I don't know enough about EOS to know like why this works, but I guess the way the staking and the rewards and all that happened, they've been trying to get them changed and block producers that have been voted in or just, raking in their ten thousand dollars cash a day or whatever I, I don't shocker shot yeah. wait wait what yeah, what it's super shocking an elected group of entrenched bureaucrats are using their power to just enrich themselves and not fix the community's problems unforeseeable yeah so that's it i kind of funny that eos is being fucked with that's all i just wanted to all right guys i have a very important data scam never thought i would say this Cardano is a scam. Cardano gold. Be careful what you wish for. All right. This is why it's a little funny. Uh, apparently back in the day, uh, somebody was interviewing or joking around with Charles Huskinson or whatever. And he was like, yeah, well, you don't really know you've made it until there's like a Cardano vision and a Cardano cash, you know? <laughs> and uh, well, he got his wish. There is now a Cardano gold. It has emerged. If you go to the website, it's full of spelling mistakes. One of our traditional red flag indicators. Uh, there's all kinds of errors. Um, this is this is another interesting trick. You know, I really learned over the past couple of years the power of boldness, being bold, and not to get too political. But like, look, look at freaking Trump, man. He, he could lie about anything, but he's just so bold about it that like some people just like I don't know, it glazes over, right? So these guys, the Cardano Gold at the bottom, it says. As seen in, and it has all of these publications, Best Coins, Coin Hills, Foxico, Olink, all like all of these, they're all fake. Not a single one of those publications exist. They all had unique logos and stuff, but not, not, not one of them is real. And then they have a list of advisors. Their top advisor already tweeted out, like, I have no idea who these people are. I'm not involved with the project, blah, blah, blah. This is a scam. Yeah. But it's like so amazing, right? Because you know... Somebody will stumble on it. Somebody will not do their research. This is not going to be a zero profit scam. You already know. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, Cardano Gold, not everything that glitters is Cardano. Don't Stay vigilant. That. You just can't ever let anything slide. You have to always double check. They're phishing. There's so many different types of scams out there in this crazy world. and You got to be up on it at all times. So, speaking of scams, I think it's time to talk about South Korea. Yeah. So, the CEO of a South Korean exchange, CoinUp, is receiving 16 years in prison. And his name, for whatever reason, the article just had misters in there. They didn't say the first name of the guy. Um, is Mr. Kang Mo defrauded investors of 450 billion won, which is equivalent to 340 $384 million, which is still a hefty chunk of cash. And uh, him alongside... the one that posted, I'm sorry, on Weibo, right? Like, that when they <laughs> scammed, I think. I, I can't remember, but... Isn't Weibo like a Chinese uh, app? Or am I, I thinking of something come, else? I could, I, I could be messing... There's so many of these Asian scam, big Asian scams that seem to pop up for hundreds of million. There's another one a couple weeks ago that we were talking about. Um, There's just more of them. That's why we see more scams. Probably the same ratio per population. 
Fair. Simple because, statistics, uh, fam. Don't be a racist. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, him alongside a slew of other execs are receiving varying sentences with Lowe's being six years in prison. One is actually a mother-in-law of one of the execs. I don't know what they were in, evolved for. Um, but so he promised customers 200% returns on crypto purchase just four to 10 weeks after purchase. I don't really know what four to 10 weeks, like why that's like some sort of, maybe that makes it seem more legitimate. Oh, absolutely. That is, look, that is very reasonable. So four to 10 weeks, you said we'll do a 7.5 average. So 52 divided by 7.5, 390. Wait, that doesn't sound right. (laughs) 52 sorry we got the math corner with kareem okay adam according to my calculations he was only promising a 1386 yearly return that's pretty reasonable (laughs) that's so i mean yeah do you usually not 13x times your investments within a year i I usually go five figures on my percents it's usually 10,000 percent minimum oh this guy's a tron investor right this is strictly better than oh yeah and uh big connect was they were only offering one percent a day yeah Yeah. so then they also shilled some projects that were at a very small chance of increasing value i didn't really look into the project but the best part of this entire article is I'd like you guys to click on, and this will be in the show notes. I'd like you guys to click on the picture that I embedded. So he photoshopped a pic of him standing next to Moon Jae-in, which is, and I'm sorry to the Koreans if I pronounce that incorrectly, but that is the, uh, I think that's the president. Or, oh yeah, the Korean president. And he photoshopped it next to him. He displayed it in coin. I know he displayed it in coin up offices to mislead potential investors. And if you just look at it, it's like I mean, it's just hilarious that this is a real picture that they he tried to like. Like one guy is wearing some nice, you know, flannel sweater or some sort of nice cashmere sweater, and then the president is wearing ugly Christmas sweater. Yeah, it's an ugly Christmas sweater, and then. The president is just wearing a suit. Like clearly, they're in different like like lengths from the camera, uh, different settings. I mean, they're kind of blending together. It's just a terrible Photoshop, and really, just I thought it was pretty hilarious. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. <sighs> but see, this is Photoshop. This goes, no, like- guys. This goes back to the point that I was making earlier. The mistake here is being timid with facts and, oh, I wonder what people will think if my lie is totally obvious or my Photoshop is clear. No, no, no. You got to just not care at all. <laughs> just just get in there. Just get in there. Just Photoshop. You know, he actually, I feel like he went way too out of his way with the white background here. I think he could have gotten more creative. Put it like in the jungle or something. Next scam, he'll be better at Photoshop. Yeah. <laughs> In 16 years, when he gets out, there's going to be some new crypto scams that he can get involved. He'll have pictures from over the years. He'll have developed his his actual cut and pasting skills in prison, where he'll be able to like physically, you know, cut out things from magazines, put his picture next to it. He'll have like, oh, it'll be perfect. Yeah, and and by the way, I'll I'll end with that rant. Is there anything more obnoxious about like, you know, we hate on these scammers so much and everything? How often do you just see that they like? After they pay some mild consequence for what they do, they just go back to scamming, and it just yep. still looks like it takes forever to catch them. And 
the uh, wolf of wall street is like yeah ridiculously rich and he's doing like i don't know people like want to pay him to do things and that aren't tell people how he scammed them like there i remember when he was coming out talking about crypto where it was like what who cares what this guy has yeah, to say yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's Jordan. like, let me tell you something. I know a lot about scams. I scammed a lot of people. That's why you listen to me. I'm very rich. A scam. That looks like a scam. So anyway, we're getting off the rails here, gentlemen. Is there anything else we want to say to the audience before we say sayonara? I got a few things in our rant section, just, like just some funny stuff that happened to me. One of the ways that we get stories for the show is we, or at least me, I don't know what you guys do, but I go on Reddit and then I sort by the most popular stories of the week and take a look and see like what it was. And I knew Bitcoin was around like, you know, 8,500, something like that. And I clicked it and it said, finally, Bitcoin is 10,000 again. And I was like, what? That was fast. But I had sorted by year instead. <laughs> so I, it was just a funny thing. I almost reported that we were back above 10 K for a second before I realized that I had, uh, not actually sorted properly. Uh, and then when I did sort properly, one of the top posts was kind of funny. There was nothing to really unpack here, but a guy posted his portfolio from the ICO craze. He was basically like, yeah, I, I kind of got taken in the ICO craze. Here's like my portfolio. This guy's portfolio. If we were still doing portfolio roasts, like this was, this is great. Listen, listen to this guy's coins. Now, first of all, I'm going to tell you his best producing coin was minus 86%, which was Augur. So he didn't completely miss on that one. Let's hear <laughs> some of these projects that he had. Electrified.Asia, no idea what that is. He lost 95%. I'm not going to read all these off, but Oyster Pearl, Swarm City Token. Uh, he did Zcash and OMG, which, fine, those are among his worst or least lost. Request, Storage, Kin, Funfair, Polymath, Bitcoin Gold. Kareem's favorite 10x, he got a 98% loss on. Uh, the Raiden Network, Scenario AMP, which AMP is normally uh, an abbreviation for Asian Massage Parlor. So, wondering what that would be used for. Uh, Power Ledger, Viuli, Garlic Coin. Now, Garlic Coin is a stupid little meme coin. He invested $26,000 into Garlic Coin. It was his biggest investment of his portfolio. Jesus, no some way. Have so much money. <laughs> Now, like some of these were like five thousand, six thousand, or whatever, but most of them were in like below a thousand dollars that he invested in. Nope, garlic coin. He was just like, yeah, this one. I got better put twenty six k into this one. And he was even in the comments, like the redditors were like, really, dude, twenty seven thousand and garlic coin. He's like, yeah, well, the Bitcoin that I got to acquire or that I acquired to buy that only cost me five hundred dollars. So when I bought it, it was worth that, but it didn't feel like it was that. And I was like, oh my god. So then Economy, Augur, Digix, Dow, Breaker. The guy doesn't have a single coin that I own uh, in his entire portfolio. I mean, and, same with me, but that's less impressive, to be fair. Yeah, like you own less coins than I do, but like I've, I have I think the only one of these I, I ever owned was OMG, and I don't own it now. And that was literally because I liked the name like because I thought it was related to magic, and it wasn't. Uh, I'm at four. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, which four coins do you share with this guy? No, I, at so, at some point I did own. I mean, Augur, OMG, uh, and uh, then there's Economy, which I like. Yeah, I mean, I only had that for a little bit, and then uh, Kin. 
wow, you felt you you were in on the kin fra- kin craze before they got uh, owned. So anyway, it was an interesting little portfolio. I thought about like literally c- creating like his actual like breakdown of what this stuff was worth, but I decided it wasn't worth it. It was just kind of a funny little funny little thing to talk about. I didn't link the I better link the uh, Reddit post there. I didn't link it, so make sure that's in the show notes. I want to give the the user the right credit if I'm talking smack on his portfolio. Oh yeah, and I also invested 10k in garlic coin. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, forgot uh, about that. Last little thing, uh there we've we've mentioned this thing a couple times on the show, but there's a there's like this turnkey mining thing called Coin Mine. And I remember they had reached out to us to kind of like do a partnership and we told them no because basically you could never get your money back. Well, now they're offering 6.5% APR on people who hold mine funds in their wallet, which to me is a that's approaching red flag territory like if you hold funds in there they're in trying to incentivize you to hold funds in their wallet that they can't get 6.5 percent on this is like bitcoin and ethereum not coins that stake and get them value so the main reason that i would see an incentive to hold coins in their wallet is so that they can use those coins and or whatever or you know end up taking them from you or something like that so the thing was already a pretty bad investment i would not recommend buying a coin mine at all which is the opposite of what you're going to hear from a lot of podcasts in the industry because they offered them a good uh affiliate slash maybe they paid for ad space or whatever on those shows i've listened to a couple other shows that are that are saying that this is a good solution for somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing with mining i wholeheartedly disagree uh i would not recommend anyone use coin mine that's it that, that was my last rant that was the end of it there's just a couple interesting little things for the end of the show if you're in the discord you know who i'm about to be talking about we don't like to say this stuff like on the show in case ever it ever like doesn't come to fruition we have a very 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 big interview uh on monday so the the show will end up being recorded on monday and it'll be released when it's ready to be released but it is guys i'm making an announcement of an announcement here this is the biggest interview that we've ever had on the Crypto Basic Podcast by a magnitude of 10,000. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> so, I undersold it. Yeah, this is uh, this is as big as it gets. So if you pop into the Discord and you scroll up, I, I originally I just told the founding members and Patreons who it was, and then one of them leaked it because I didn't tell them not to say anything in the general chat, so they mentioned it. So it's there. You can find out who it is. Uh, in fact, we are taking submissions to to talk, you know, what you might want to have us bring up when we talk to them. But again, I don't like to just throw that stuff out there because in case, you know. Andreas Antonopoulos. Oh, what the fuck? Oh, <laughs> my <laughs> God. Yeah, I don't know. I just, you know, look at Brent's face. He's getting too smuggled. We're going to do Andreas Antonopoulos. It's guaranteed. It's, it, no, it's no, a no. Lock. It's, it's Vitalik. No, it's not Vitalik. It's Andreas. Jesus. Oh, wait. No, it's Charles Huskinson. No, it's Roger Ver. All right, he's Craig Wright. <laughs> God, if we now no one knows. Right but yeah, no, it is uh, Andres Antonopoulos. Uh, I'm pretty sure I said that right. Uh, we, we look forward to having a quality chat with him. And uh, if you have yeah. a good question for him, now's your chance. Pop on our Discord and shoot it. If we like it, we may ask it. Yeah, or you can email us at cryptobasicpodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, Kareem, other than being big with spoilers 
Uh, what don't we do? We don't give financial advice, Brent, because we don't know about that. That's it. Yeah. We're also all idiots, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I just always like <laughs> clearly. <laughs> but that was like a thing, a bit back in the day, and I really like still a bit, it's still, still a, a bit. bit. Just doesn't like to say idiots. It, it it's offensive. No, no, I. It's not offensive at all. That is also sorry true. if I if I offended you, but you're still an idiot. Thank you, uh, buddy. Not not offended. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, yep, we are idiots. Don't listen to anything we say. This is entertainment only, and of course, all investments have inherent risk. Please do your own research. Check us out on Discord, Twitter, Patreon, and all the beautiful places. See ya. Hey, Doc.